It's incredible <laughs> what our words and actions with a stuffed animal can do to impact the game that we thought we didn't yeah. have a direct role in. Yeah, can I just give you an early rising shout out for taking care of one of those super pesky annoying flies? This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. And joining us now, very happy to have the voice of the Baylor Bears, John Morris. John, thank you so much for taking a few minutes. We appreciate it. You bet, Jason. Great to be on with you. Spencer, welcome to Waco. Uh, hope to have a little more sunshine for you tomorrow. It's going to be it's going to be perfect <laughs> tomorrow. It's supposed to be a high in the low 70s and sunshine. I mean, we want BYU to feel welcome when you come to Waco. So we're going to roll out the red carpet weather-wise tomorrow. Well, uh, I will. Uh, I will be back in. I think forty degree weather there, John. So uh, it'll be. I'll probably have a few more layers <laughs> than maybe you guys will in uh, in Waco. But you touched on something. Um, you have been a big proponent of BYU joining the Big Twelve. Now that that is official and it's happening in twenty twenty three, how was that news received in the Waco area and among uh, the Baylor fans? Well, uh, and I love it, and congratulations, and, and can't wait till BYU is a full member, you know, of the Big 12 in a couple of years. Um, you know, disappointing that Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. We've got a great, you know, long-standing rivalry with both those schools, especially Texas, 100 miles down the road in Austin. I mean, that goes back to, uh, you know, the early 1900s that we've been playing Texas in every sport. So, you know, hate to see them go, but they've made their decision. And, uh, you know, good riddance, just go. And uh, we're going to move forward. And I think it's a very positive step moving forward to add the four schools like BYU and Houston and Cincinnati and UCF. I'm really excited about it. I, I, I prefer to look at the positives of that and the four new schools that are coming into the Big 12 and the new rivalries we'll have with schools like BYU. So I'm really looking forward to it as we uh, move on into the future. John, we're already seeing the welcome from Baylor University and several local establishments in the area welcoming BYU with official signs, which is a very cool thing. When the game happens tomorrow, however, obviously it becomes about business. And you got a couple of five and one teams. BYU is very hungry and motivated after a frustrating home loss to Boise State. Baylor is a team that knows BYU well with offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes being at BYU just last year, along with offensive line coach Eric Mateos. When you think about that coaching change and the shift from offensive coordinator at BYU to Baylor with Jeff Grimes, how much of an advantage does that create for the Bears as they prepare for BYU tomorrow? Uh, it's huge, and man, we are so glad to have Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos, and then Matt Mitchell is one of our quality uh, control coaches that came from BYU. He's here also. Uh, nice backdrop, by the way, Spencer. You've got a better backdrop than I do, and you're, <laughs> we're both in Waco. <laughs> Thank you. But uh, it is so it is so great to have them here. And uh, you guys can appreciate what quality men they are and what quality coaches they are. And it has just uh, completely revitalized our offense. Baylor last year really struggled offensively and the record showed at two and seven. So Coach Aranda, give him credit. He knew he need needed to make changes and went out and identified Coach Grimes and Coach Mateos and got them to come here. And uh, last year, for example, Baylor was running the ball uh, like 90.3 yards per game. That was it, last in the league, dead last. 
and knew they had to be better at that. So bring in the wide zone offense and what Coach Grimes and Coach Mateos are doing. And uh, we're, uh, I think, third in the league in rush offense right now and have been number one in the league and uh, top ten in the nation earlier this year. So it has really been um, uh, very refreshing and uh, revitalizing for our offense, and the numbers show it. So give those guys a lot of credit and give our players credit for buying into that new system and then performing it really, really well so far. John Morris, the voice of the Baylor Bears, joining us here on BYU Sports Nation. And, and John, you may have just answered the question right there in terms of the, the way that the offense has improved from last year and certainly the numbers that are being put up. But as Spencer mentioned, both teams 5-1, and one, both teams very good programs. From your perspective, what do you believe is the reason or maybe the biggest reason for the 5-1 and one start for Baylor? Yeah, well that, Jason, that's a big part of it. You know, just the improvement in offense and, uh, you know, just having a pulse on <laughs> offense is an improvement this year, and it's much more than that. But that is a huge part of it. Uh, and then defensively, we have 10 starters back, so that defense has just taken another step forward. Uh, under Ron Roberts, the defensive coordinator, you know, no change in the coaches on the defensive side, no change in the system defensively and some really good players you know another year back a lot of seniors on that defensive side so that's that that's a couple of things uh and then just the you know just the full season that we've had uh it wasn't fair to coach aranda last year to have his first year as a head coach the covid protocols no spring practice meeting his players over zoom all of that so it's been just you know a more uh regular season this year leading into the year through fall camp and into the season so far so i think it's the natural progression you would like to see uh for a head coach and his staff in their second year john as you look at byu coming off the loss to boise state and the cougars are a six-point underdog at mclean stadium against baylor tomorrow what's the biggest concern for baylor as they face this byu team in terms of schematically preparing for this cougars team well, you guys mentioned it earlier, uh, you know, Jeff Grimes and Coach Mateos may have some uh, in, intrinsic knowledge about BYU. I think BYU's got some knowledge <laughs> about what Coach Grimes wants to do also, right? That sort of goes both ways. So I think that's a bit of a concern. Um, coaches will change up some signaling and some, uh, you know, ch uh, calls at the line of scrimmage. They'll, they'll do that knowing that BYU might know the terminology that these coaches use when they were there at Provo. Um, so that's one thing, but just, uh, you know, great respect for BYU and Coach uh, Aranda has talked about, uh, you know, the, uh, the uh, veteran guys that they have and the older guys that they have uh, on their team and how much of an advantage that is. Jaron Hall looks like he's going great. I mean, he's going to be uh, another in a string of really good quarterbacks we have already seen this year. Uh, and then Tyler Algiers, uh, you know, some teams have run the ball uh, pretty effectively against Baylor. So Algiers is going to be a real key trying to slow him down or keep him in check, uh, you know, to some level in the game tomorrow. John, that's perfect. And what I wanted to ask you next, I wanted to ask you about the defense and giving up the rushing yards. Now, obviously, it hasn't affected the team in terms of wins and losses, but how much of a concern is that moving forward that even though Baylor's continuing to win these games, teams are running the ball against the defense? Yeah, uh, a concern and uh, legitimate, but uh, you know, it, it's kind of you know in our league. In our league, you'll see that it's pick your poison. You know, some schools may 
run the ball very effectively. I mean, TCU had 400 rushing yards last week and went over Texas Tech, 400 rushing yards. And we have seen some of that against Baylor this year. But then, you know, if you sell out to uh, to stop the run, uh, what does that open up on the backside? So uh, it, it's got to be a complete team effort defensively. Again, Algiers is going to be a real key, slowing him down tomorrow, uh, keeping him, you know, within a reasonable number of yards. And uh, uh, but then our, our backside defensively, our defensive backs are, are really good veteran guys. You know, they're all uh, fourth, fifth, sometimes six-year uh, guys back there in the secondary. So it's got to be a total team effort defensively to have a chance in this game against BYU. John Morris, the play-by-play -play voice of the Baylor Bears, is with us on BYU Sports Nation. John, you can see from uh, the stadium set up behind me and just the overall area, this is an amazing place for a college football game. It's the homecoming celebration for Baylor. You were keen to point out last time we talked to you just how important it is to the community here. What can BYU fans that are making the trip to Waco expect from the homecoming celebration and set up tomorrow when they come to the game? Oh, yeah, that's great, Spencer. Spencer, you got an invitation. Come join us uh, like 8 a.m. tomorrow for the parade. You want to do that? <laughs> We've got a big hey, homecoming go to parade bed early. tomorrow morning. I hear you. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to, but I will be there tomorrow morning. Uh, but it's just homecoming <laughs> is just special at Baylor. Uh, you know, some schools, it's it's sort of passe and it's not a big deal. But let me tell you, it is a really big deal here at Baylor. There's so much history and tradition, and we'd like to uh, welcome our alums to come back, you know, to come back home to Baylor. Uh, Baylor has the oldest homecoming of any school in the nation, goes back to 1909, and, uh, and we're proud of that. You know, we do a lot of things. It's kind of a week-long celebration of events. Tonight we'll have uh, a pep rally and bonfire, and uh, Coach Aranda will be there. Uh, RG3 is going to make an appearance at the uh, pep rally coming up tonight. And then the parade is bright and early tomorrow morning from downtown Waco right through the heart of campus. And it is, uh, it's unbelievable the number of people that are there on campus that come back and make it a point to be there for the parade. So, uh, and then we go into the game. And in my mind, you know, the game is the centerpiece of, of the entire homecoming week. And what a great uh, matchup with BYU we have for that. So all that to say, uh, I, I think our, our fans will be very welcoming of, of uh, BYU and their fans. Uh, President Worthen is riding in the homecoming parade tomorrow. So I think that's a really cool deal. And I think we'll have some pregame uh, welcomes and presentations. Then it's all business when we kick off. You guys understand that, right? <laughs> yeah, we certainly we certainly know this is a big game for both. Uh, John, this may be the most important question I ask you. Are Chip and Joanna going to be at the game tomorrow? Because that's what a lot of people want to know. Uh, good, <laughs> sure, good question. Inquiring minds want to know. They have a suite at McLean Stadium, and uh, most often they are here. So for homecoming, and they're both Baylor grads, I'm guessing they'll both be here. But uh, to be honest, Chip and I haven't uh, texted in the last couple of days. I don't know that for sure. <laughs> John, great stuff. Thank you so much. And the fact that you can text Chip Gaines makes him extremely jealous right now. Uh, great stuff as always. Appreciate the insight. I will talk to you tomorrow on radio pregame, so you're not done with me. Uh, but thank you so much. And uh, I think we're all expecting a good one tomorrow. Thanks, John. I think it's going to be a great matchup. Jason Spencer, thank you guys very much. And, and we really are excited to have BYU here and to have BYU coming in as a member of the Big 12 Conference.
Thank you very much. John Morris, the voice of the Baylor Bears, just hearing other people talk about the fact that BYU is joining the Big 12, even yes. this many weeks yes. you know, after, it just brings a smile to my face. I, uh, I am so excited about that. And this is obviously our first taste of it. This is going to be really cool. Yeah, Jason, I'm feeling torn emotions here because everybody in Waco has been so nice and John is amazing. It's hard not to want good things for Baylor, right? It's hard to root against them because they've been so kind. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling torn. But as he, as he mentioned, when the game starts, it's all business tomorrow. After the game's over, then you can root for Baylor and uh, show all the love you want to John. That and all was one of our favorite fans. interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Joining us now from the Action Network, longtime college football insider and expert, Brett McMurphy returns to BYU Sports Nation. Brett, great to have you back on the program. How are you? Good to be with you guys again. Hope you're doing well. Uh, we're doing well because hey, we're for doing the first great. time ever. We're not going to ask you about expansion We this will time. not talk about Big 12 <laughs> expansion because it's happened, Brett. Yeah, BYU's headed to the Big 12 in 2023. <laughs> Uh, we would love to hear how you feel BYU will fit in in that new Big 12. I think it's going to be great. I mean, I was wondering why you guys don't call me anymore. Now I know why. <laughs> now that you're big, now that you're big time power conference, you don't have you don't have time for uh, time for me. No, it's great. And this is a this year is a perfect example why what the Big 12 will mean to BYU and how BYU will benefit. Uh, as you guys know, uh, you know, I do my bowl projections. I had BYU in the Fiesta Bowl while you were undefeated, but now with one loss, I don't see you getting a New Year's Six game. And so that means you'll end up in the Independence Bowl, whether you're 11-1 and one or 6-6. Six and six. However, if you're in the Big 12 Conference and you roll out an 11-1 and one season, you're still in the running not only for a New Year's Six game, but for the conference championship and if you win the conference championship, obviously, in the Big 12, you're going to go, at worst, to the Sugar Bowl. So I think that's going to be the biggest difference for BYU being in the Big 12. And it's going to pay huge dividends. You know, I, I haven't talked with, with anybody on campus there since the, since the, uh, the move happened. But I'm sure recruiting-wise, it's got to be a, just a huge, huge difference and such an added benefit for Kalani and everybody there. So... Um, you know, <laughs> that's the great news. The bad news is you, you still got a couple of years to go, but certainly, uh, you know, things I'm hearing with, with, T, with excuse me, with UCF and, and uh, you know, Houston and Cincinnati and the, their recruiting efforts, um, yeah, it's, it's obviously a huge, huge benefit for the Cougars. Brett, we go on two-year missions. We know how to wait. Uh, this is, <laughs> this yeah. is just one of those. We'll be just fine. Um, regarding recruiting, Two four-stars have committed to BYU since in-state, since the news. So, yes, it has certainly affected uh, BYU. BYU gets kind of one four-star class, maybe every other class. So that's big news. Regarding BYU in the New Year's Six, let's say BYU runs the table in the back half of the schedule and wins six in a row, including Baylor, Washington State, Virginia, USC. Now, they certainly uh, may not be in the New Year's Six, but do you think they'll be a strong candidate at 11-1 despite the one loss with seven power five wins in that scenario? Well, here's the deal. And this is, again, I preface this with, this is not what I think. This is what I think the selection committee will do. The selection committee will look at it. And to be in a new year six game, 
you're going to have to probably finish in the top 12 in the country. Uh, it's not definitive. It depends on a number of things. But you got to be in that top 12 range. So the selection committee, why I don't think that the selection committee would put you in the top 12 with all of those power five wins, you would only have one win against the top 25 team, and that's Arizona State. And that's if Arizona State remains in the top 25. If they fall out of the top 25, it doesn't matter what the ranking was when the game was played. It matters what the ranking is at the end of the season. So then you would have no top 25 wins. So even, even with that said, yeah, you'd still have seven power five victories. However, the, the schools that you would be com- competing against um, as far as the rankings, you know, look, the committee is not going to put 11-1 and BYU ahead of two-loss Alabama. They're not going to put them ahead of one-loss Iowa, two-loss Ohio State, uh, two-loss Penn State. Because those schools, um, which BYU will find out in a couple of years when they're in the Big 12, those schools will have multiple top 25 victories and their losses, um, you know, with a few exceptions, will be against teams that are in the top 25. Obviously, Alabama's lost to Texas A&M. Texas A&M may fall out of the top 25. So I just think it's going to be difficult for BYU to climb. Uh, you know, they're currently number 19 in the AP poll. It doesn't mean the selection committee would put them at 19 now. They may put them higher. They may put them lower. I just think it's going to be tough for them to there's a lot of bodies they got to climb over. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of upsets, um, but it's just, it, I think it's just going to be hard for them to get up into that top 12 range for the selection committee to put them in a New Year's Six game. Uh, you know, I may be wrong. I just I just think the other schools that they'll be competing against will have more top 25 wins, and that's what the selection committee gives the most weight to. Follow him at Brett underscore McMurphy on Twitter, Action Network, College Football Insider, and a longtime college football expert. America's College Football America, Insider. Yes. Like, right, okay. right, right. <laughs> We're still trying to clarify if it's North America or South America. But All of yes, it. That's true. Fair enough. Okay, Brett, so just to clarify, for the BYU fan, for the Cougars to have any shot at being in that conversation, you're telling me that Arizona State needs to keep winning, remain ranked, and if Baylor BYU, would have to keep going. Yes, if too, BYU beats yeah. Baylor, then Baylor's yeah. going to have to do well in the Big Twelve, right? We're looking for quality wins on that resume. Yes, you want. That's the trick. Any time you, any opponent you play, uh, you want to beat them. You know, like Utah, and then you want them to win the rest of their games. So, uh, you know, certainly that would help increase your chances. I mean, look, USC. I, I did a note the other day. You know, USC. They may not even be bowl eligible this year. They may not get the six wins. Um, you know, same with LSU and Miami. I know you don't play those guys. But, yeah, you need Arizona State to, to run the table. I mean, look, if Arizona State wins the Pac-12, which is still possible, that certainly would help BYU's resume. Again, the challenge for BYU is you would only have that one top 25 win right. unless some somebody in your schedule somehow gets up into that top 25, which I don't project right now. Well, Spencer yesterday mentioned, listen, if BYU's not in the New Year's Six, if that's not possible, which, yes, it, 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 BYU's going to be an outsider in that conversation. What you said makes sense. It really does against the two-loss titans of the sport. Then somehow, I know the Independence Bowl is Conference USA, and then there's actually this thing where maybe BYU could be in the Cheez-It Bowl now called the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, Big Ten, Big 12, if they can't fill a spot, blah, blah, blah. 
Somehow let's get Coastal and BYU. Yes, please, Brett. Can make we Coastal Carolina BYU happen. Get Coastal and BYU <laughs> because even if Cincy loses a game, it feels like due to the strength of schedule for the Bearcats that Cincy probably still could be the group of five team, right, should they win their league. So let's get a Coastal BYU game. Are you in favor of this? I'm in favor of this. I did, the, the good news is, look, this year in the next five years, the final five years of the college football playoff, as far as the non-Power um, 5 bowl games, you know, which obviously BYU has their affiliation with the independents this year and other bowls moving forward until they go to the Big 12, it's basically you can't just say, for instance, uh, the independents bowl is 100% BYU versus Conference USA. There's, there's this about a dozen bowls where they will pick from all the group five conferences. So there's going to be a lot of horse trading. So even though some conferences and or schools have supposedly have tie-ins with specific bowl games affiliated with group of five schools, it could, it could totally be mixed around and you could have these made for TV matchups or whatever to make more attractive matchups and just disregard any, any conference uh, affiliations that we've seen in the past. That's what's made doing these bowl projections each week literally impossible <laughs> to do because once you get through the power, the power five is very specific. This conference versus this conference and this bowl. Once you get past those those power five only bowls and you get into the rest of the bowls, I mean, I'm, be, I'm being totally serious. Like the American, for example, they have seven bowl bids tied to their conference. Three of them are specific that they will play in specific bowl games. The other four bowl games are to be determined among 12 bowls. And the same goes with Conference USA, with the Sun Belt, um, the MAC, etc. So you've got this mixture of 12 to 14 bowl games that can pick from any group of five conference. So that means, I think, that maybe BYU, you know, if they could trade with the independents to get somebody else in somewhere else, then maybe they could move BYU somewhere else. Um, you know, look, the more BYU wins, and look, if they go 11-1, and one, I think that increases the chances that they could maybe be put in a different bowl. Um, but certainly if they, if they lose, you know, if they're down to 9-3, and 8-4, and four, something like that, then I think that the chances greatly increase that they, were, they would remain in the independence. Brett McMurphy is on BYU Sports Nation. Brett, I know you're an Oklahoma State grad, and I'm always fascinated to talk to national analysts when their school and what they're part of an alumni base in are doing well. How do you balance being an Oklahoma State fan and still trying to call or see college football with an unbiased perspective? You know, I'm probably more – I'm probably harder on Oklahoma State than I am other schools. I guess it's kind of like if you're coaching your – coaching your kid you know you you don't want to show favoritism to them (laughs) you know in the i know in the ap poll you know all of all of our votes are public i put mine out on twitter and then close my laptop for the next 24 hours but i've had oklahoma state (laughs) probably ranked i've had oklahoma state ranked lower probably than than the majority of ap voters uh you know and and part of that it's not to be like oh i'm i'm showing i'm unbiased but to be very very honest Oklahoma State's five and zero right now. They could also very easily be two and three right now. I mean, Boise State they won because of an inverted whistle. Kansas State they had a defensive touchdown. 
Uh, Baylor, they scored late. Uh, you know, they squeaked by Missouri State in the opener. Uh, Tulsa was a, you know, they've basically been involved in five one-score games, and those things, you know, are coin flips. So that's why I've had Oklahoma State a little bit further down. You know, look, in two weeks, they went. somebody at Oklahoma State ranked, I think, fifth or sixth in the AP poll. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm an alum of Oklahoma State. I can't even fathom that. Look, they've got at, at Texas, at Iowa State the next two weeks. If they win those two games, I think they should be in the top ten. How far up, you know, there's so many factors involved in that. But, you know, I just if, – if I think they're good, then I'll say they're good. If I think they're bad, I'll say they're bad. And I think when you do that, you know, over a long period of time, I think people respect your opinion more instead of always just beating the drum saying, oh, everything's great, everything's great. And it's – I don't know if you guys are a fan of Young Frankenstein. I love that movie. But he's like, <laughs> you know, it could get worse. And he's how, digging a grave. And he's how like, how's that? And he goes, well, it could start raining. So I'm not going to tell you it's sunshine when it's pouring outside. I just try to be, you know, as objective as I can. And and look, every I know everybody agrees with my rankings 100. percent So I have nothing to worry. <laughs> Brett McMurphy's on BYU Sports Station. We'll finish with this, Brett. We've been talking about the biggest surprises specific to the BYU football season through six games, the, the midway point. Let's get your overall take. What's the biggest surprise of the entire college football season at the midway point? Well, I guess if you would ask me last week, I would have said how dominant Georgia and Alabama have been this year. And now you're asking me this week, so I'll, I'll say how dominant Georgia has been. You know, I, I thought Georgia was a college football playoff team before the season. I didn't think they would be this dominant. And especially in BYU, fans can know this feeling. You know, they've had some issues at quarterback. They've had injuries. They've played multiple quarterbacks. It hasn't mattered. Their defense has been, been that good. Now, you could argue that, you know, they haven't played the greatest offensive juggernauts to this point, but they have they just have dominated people um, and surprised a lot of people. I mean, Georgia right now would, would be favored in a game against Alabama if they meet in the SEC title game. Uh, so probably Georgia and probably real quick, quickly, the other thing is probably the overall depth and quality at the top of the Big Ten. I did not expect Michigan State to be in this position. I did not expect Michigan to be in this position. Obviously, Ohio State, you know, surprised by the loss to Oregon. I mean, Iowa, you know, they may have two yards of offense, but they're going to create seven turnovers, and and they're going to win, you know, uh, 16 to nothing on eight safeties. So they've been incredible. (laughs) And Penn State has been, you know, obviously they lost their quarterback, Sean Clifford. That could hurt them long term. But the overall depth of the Big Ten – uh, you know, has really, really surprised me. And also, you know, real quickly about BYU, I mean, look, with the, the, the opening three games BYU had, I I didn't expect BYU to be undefeated. Um, you know, certainly the loss to Boise was, you know, BYU fans didn't like that. But I think if you take a step back, and if you would have said before the season, it's a halfway point of the year, we're going to be 5-1, and one, I think, uh, you know, obviously outside of the building, they want to be 6-0. I think most BYU rational BYU fans would have said, I'll take it. Now, you wouldn't have expected that loss to be B- to Boise. You probably would have thought it would have been against one of the one of the Power Fives, except for Arizona. Uh, so, yeah, especially with the, the um, injuries BYU's had at quarterback, you know, I, I would put BYU as one of the surprise teams up there. 
unfortunately, they're going to get overshadowed because Cincinnati's undefeated and beat Indiana and Notre Dame. But and I said this, I hope hope you guys saw it a week or two ago when everybody was clamoring that Cincinnati has to be in the playoff. Cincinnati has to be in the playoff. I'm like, wait, what about BYU? BYU goes undefeated. That's seven power five wins. Cincinnati has two. And it's, I like to say, if you just fell out of the sky onto earth before this season and didn't know the past about the group five, and you just looked at Cincinnati and what they've accomplished this year, I don't think they're a playoff worthy team based on that schedule. Everyone wants to say, well, the group five has been screwed for seven years, so we need to make up for it. Uh, Whatever, that's a different argument. I'm just saying, based on this season alone, I don't think Cincinnati undefeated will get in over a one-loss Power 5 team. But what irked me is that everyone just kind of dismissed BYU. You know, why not BYU? They Obviously, the Boise loss killed them, but seven, five more Power 5 wins against uh, than Cincinnati, and they would have had as many top 25 wins as Cincinnati. And it's, at the end of the year, I think Arizona State's probably going to be ranked higher than Notre Dame. Yeah, hard to argue that. They look really good. Brett, we appreciate the insight, the time. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Great to be a member of the Big 12 uh, with the Oklahoma State Cowboys in 2023. And we look forward to your next perfect set of rankings released this Sunday. Tell Mr. Tom Homo I'm still waiting for my parade invite for that Big 12 uh, parade. You got it. Try to track me down. We'll pass that along. Thanks so much, Brett. Thanks, guys. Brett McMurphy of the Action Network. Follow him at Brett underscore McMurphy for more fantastic college football content. So we, so we didn't like BYU's resume for the New Year's Six, but he loved it possibly against Cincinnati. So that's if yeah, they're that's, undefeated. If they're well at eleven and one right. versus twelve and zero. Right, and to his yeah. point, BYU does need teams to perform well to, to bolster the resume if they want to be in that New Year's Six. I still believe BYU's going to lose, so I'm not like in on that anymore. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. BYU loses at home 26-17 to unranked Boise State. The big question now is, what happened and what's next? Let's address the first question there, Jerem. What happened to BYU against Boise State? BYU fumbled the ball too much. If BYU fumbles the ball once and maybe even twice, they probably, probably still, win. still win. But what we learned in this game is that, hey, turnover margin really matters. Tyler Algier fumbles. The ensuing kickoff, Lopini Katoa fumbles. And on those two drives, Boise State produces its only two touchdowns. Okay. 47 yards. 47 yards to get 14 Unbelievable. Points. So that was the difference in the game. Then Lopini Katoa fumbles a second time in the red zone. That was tough to swallow. BYU's down nine. Uh, Jaron Hall throws it up on fourth down. Uh, that one was like a garbage interception. Like the game was, you know, it was a nine-point game at that point. So, listen, BYU loses this game because it turns the ball over too much. We've learned now after that a valuable lesson to remember is, obviously turnover margin is important, but... BYU probably would have lost one or two of the other close margin games, especially in the first three, 8, 9, 10, 8, the first four games of margin, had BYU not been a plus one or plus two. By game, plus one, two, two, one, two, uh, and then minus four. So margin really matters. 
like truly like great teams can overcome some of that with just like great offense or great defense. And BYU still had an but, opportunity in the fourth quarter amazingly. I think BYU is in the good to very good place, right? Um, I said last week I thought BYU is probably going to lose two games this year still. I just didn't think it would be that one. Sure, um, sure. This Saturday is certainly a losable game at Baylor, so BYU's got to bring it. Got to show up with the margin. Even if you're plus one or two, you still might lose. If the other team's better than you, sometimes you need an equalizing factor. Like in basketball, it's, it used to be, oh, if we can just make more threes than those guys, we'll be all right. That's sort of turnover margin in football. So BYU's really got to take care of the ball. The last two losses for BYU, dating back to the start of last year, um, are games in which Tyler Algier fumbled okay? yep. and lost a fumble. Yep. He doesn't really do that very much. But when he loses a fumble, it's a big deal, apparently, for BYU. Those are the two losses from the start of last year. Lopini Cato is way better than the dude that fumbles twice, so that was disappointing. Um, but it, there are other things in this game. BYU's inability to convert on a fourth down a couple times. Red zone execution was troubling. Penalties take at the, the worst points, time. Take, yes, yes. And those are self-inflicted. So this was frustrating. But um, and, and we'll chronicle this later in, in uh, the program. At 5-1, and one, and now ranked 19th, it's not the end of the world. BYU was not going to go undefeated. Come on. BYU wasn't going to go undefeated. We were hoping for kind of a one-loss season. It's probably a two- or three-loss season. Um, I hope it's not a four, right? But BYU's got to bounce back because guess what? You're playing three power fives in a row now. Yep. Okay? It doesn't get you, any easier. We're, we're, the front half of the schedule's done. The back half is there. Four power five games, three on the road. And uh, arguably the toughest game on the schedule is this Saturday. Maybe it takes the frustration and hurt from a Boise State loss, minus four in the turnover margin, bad penalties, ugly game, to get BYU focused to go and beat Baylor. Because if BYU beats Baylor and they're 6-1, and one, then all of a sudden Amazing. are they ahead of schedule again? BYU's already – to me, BYU's two games ahead of schedule. There you go. Like – like three and three would have been a thing we might have taken. You know what I mean? Four and two certainly better. Five and one silly, which we'll we'll dive into later. Like five and one and now what? Yeah, I had several people say, Spencer, how how did BYU lose to Boise State? And it's pretty simple. You're minus four in the turnover margin. I don't care if BYU's playing awful Arizona. If BYU was minus four against Arizona in Las Vegas, they absolutely would have lost that game. Yeah, they definitely wouldn't have beaten Utah or Arizona State. Or South Florida being minus four in the turnover margin. Yes. South Florida, BYU's plus one, and it's an eight-point game, by the way. <laughs> like, that might have been a loss, too. Can you so, imagine BYU turning the ball over four times, being minus four in Logan against Utah State? No. The Aggies in that crowd, they run away with that game. And, and minus four is deceptive. I mean, you Sorry, could, minus three. Uh, minus three until that kind of, like, I call it a garbage pick. Well, BYU's not only that, Jaron, but, like, BYU turns the ball over. They get a little impatient late in the first half. After the two fumbles, they go for it on fourth down in their own territory, and Boise State, State tacks on another three. So you could argue, yeah. If I you, punt the ball. It's a seven-point game at halftime. If you count the uh, if you count turnover on downs as turnovers, which technically they are not, but let's just throw them in there. Minus six. Minus six. Oh boy. Yeah. Boise State didn't go for it on fourth. I don't think, right? No. Well, they did once. Yes. No, 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 they didn't. They didn't. You're okay. right. Yeah. So they didn't have to. It's tough. And listen, Fury's a good team. To very good, somewhere in that range. I think they're probably on the higher side of very good. But you ha- and turnovers are interesting, Spencer. Sometimes those are like absolutely skilled. Yes, they're not all exactly. Sometimes they're lucky though. Like if you throw me a pass and it tips off my hand, the other team grabs it. Bad luck. That's bad luck. That's not skill from the other team. What if that's, you punch the ball out? That's skill. So in this game, 
three like three skilled Boise State turnovers. They forced those. They got them. But certainly, if you're BYU, you're like, we need to hold yeah. on to them. Punch the ball, helmet it on was the ball. Ten nothing, and BYU scores on the first two drives, and it's dry. It starts to rain, and all of a sudden. This combination of maybe BYU thought it'd come easy slash the ball is wet. All of a sudden, that second quarter undid everything for BYU. The game unraveled in the second quarter. Yet, there was still time to win that game, and BYU didn't do it. Yes. Because BYU turned it over again. BYU uh, defensively didn't stop the run. Like, all of a sudden, Boise State can run with its backups. This was certainly disappointing. I'm not holistically and generally overly disappointed with how the season's gone. In fact, I'm very excited still. But I know it's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow yes. because you're five and zero, and you're thinking anything is possible. It took four turnovers for Boise State to beat this BYU team. It took that. Okay, me going in, I was like, man, it would take something drastic for Boise State to be able to beat BYU, and it happened. And it does happen in sports. That's why, like, okay, at the beginning of last week, I was going treat them like they're five and zero, right? By the end of the week, I was convinced BYU was going to win by double yep. digits, like two scores. And if they don't turn it over four they times, they do. will. But they did. But they did. And Boise State is, uh, you know, a, a good team. They're three and three. Sure. We talked about, hey, this team's still good. How motivated will they be? Hey, I don't know how motivated they were. I can't gauge that. They were fifty-eight percent. I don't know. Hey. But BYU turned it over. In sports. The best team in a one-game scenario doesn't always win. In football, they do. I believe that in football, the best team wins in one game. But in a series in basketball, no. Now, wait a second. You think Boise State they played BYU in a neutral field again, that they're a better team than BYU? No, but I think that football in one game, the best team wins. You don't accidentally win a football game. <sighs> I think in basketball, you can accidentally win a basketball game. See, if, I, if BYU and Boise State played 10 more times... I'd pick yeah. BYU to win 10 out of 10 times again. Yes, in 10, but they're not playing 10. They played the one, and I, I just think the game is different because it's so physical and it's so team-oriented. In basketball and even, like, volleyball, you can, you can like, accidentally, crazily upset someone one time. That's why the NCAA tournament is so fun. It's one game, but, like, the NBA, sure. it's, like, the best team <laughs> yeah, wins yeah, that series. Yeah, to my series. point, like, yeah. the best team will win the series. Like, the best team doesn't always win one game, Right. That's what I'm saying. Like it, the best team yes. does not always win one game. Texas A&M is not better than Alabama. Correct, but the best team wins on that day. Like it Man. happened. Yeah, and, and it stinks because BYU, we believe that when the dust settles on the season, that BYU is a better team than Boise State. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, the team that plays the best on that day wins the game. The best team overall, I feel like, I, does not win. My point is, you can't accidentally win a football game. Sure, you can. When you have the ball given to you four times, it wasn't given. They earned those fumbles. Uh. Fumble, like, you earn a fumble. Okay. Did, Arizona, did Merlin Robertson give it away, right? No, Tyler Algier earned that fumble, right? Yeah. I think fumbles are different than interceptions. Okay. Unless you're Malik Moore and you make it, like, one-handed lefty at Utah State. No. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Cougar Whip Around presented by Visible Supply Chain Man- Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Spencer, why don't you lead us off today? All right, tomorrow will be the second of three straight afternoon kicks for BYU football. Are you enjoying the midday games, Jason? I am. I love it. Look, look, I, I'm fine whenever it is. It obviously is a lot better 
from like a life standpoint when things happen in the afternoon. I would certainly prefer that. Uh, but uh, but I'll, look, I'll take it. I'll take them whenever we can get them, especially good matchups like this weekend. Yeah, it's fun to play in the afternoon on a college football Saturday. Now, if BYU loses again and they suffered back-to-back -back losses against Boise State and then Baylor in the afternoon, maybe fans will not be so keen that BYU is playing at Washington State up on the Palouse in the afternoon. But we'll see. Let's just let. BYU and Baylor take care of their business tomorrow on the afternoon. See what happens with the Cougars. We actually need to go back and find out how long it has been since BYU has had this many afternoon games because it seems like it's been a very, very long time. All right, Spencer, how about this one? The Beehive Boot back where it belongs, back at uh, BYU. What would you do? We're going to kind of go Stanley Cup style here. What would you do with the Beehive Boot if you had it for one day? Jason, there's only one answer, and that is to line the beehive boot with some sort of protective material for food and fill it up with some delicious, fresh jello. That's what I would do with the beehive boot. Okay. I would eat jello out of the beehive boot. I know you're thinking I'm weird, but I think that would be hilarious. What would you do with the beehive boot? Look, if it were any other state, it would be weird. It's not weird here. We're fine. It's fine. It's one of our things. <laughs> Look, here's my question. So the beehive, if you if you notice in that picture, the beehive boot is attached. It looks like to like a piece of wood. So it's like on a stand. What I would want to do is I would want to wear the beehive boot. You know how like kickers have like one shoe one color and one shoe the other? I'd like have my Nike on one shoe and then have this this the beehive boot on the other and just walk around in it all day. If it comes off of the stand, that's what I would do. Yeah. You're just on a plank. You need an eye patch, a pirate eye patch as well, if you're gonna walk around with that thing. Yar, we got the beehive boot, matey. Yar. Hey, you I love can, it. Let's you do can, it. You can eat some marshmallow mateys out of it, sing with the pirate thing. <laughs> I'm game for whatever, man. All right, let's keep it rolling. The West Coast Conference men's basketball preseason poll was released yesterday. BYU picked to finish second. Alex Barcelo and Kayla Lohner picked to be members of that all-West Coast Conference team at the end of the season. Jason, will BYU finish better than second? I'm, I would not. Look, if it were any other team than Gonzaga, then I would say, yeah, chance, you got, you got a chance. It's Gonzaga. This, being second is, that's, that's where the, the drama comes in is who's yes. going to be number two. Yes. And so the fact that BYU is there, that's a good thing. Do I expect them to be higher than that, meaning better than Gonzaga this year? No, I do not. I actually appreciate the one vote that BYU gets in this poll because you can't vote for your own team. So thanks, Mark Few, for the one vote from Gonzaga for BYU to finish first. This conference is about who finishes second. And there's some drama there because typically the team that finishes second absolutely makes the NCAA tournament. So there's there's still something to achieve. There. The non-Gonzaga title is a real thing in the WCC. If BYU finishes second, they could very well be a single-digit seed once again, Jason. Yeah, there, there's, nothing, there's nothing bad about being picked second behind Gonzaga. All right, last one. Jeff Goodman released a list of the not-so-secret scrimmages in college hoops this weekend. According to that list, BYU will scrimmage at Cal this week. Should the NCAA allow these to be televised? Uh, you know what? I I'm okay that they're not televised. I, I just think we have so many viewing options as it is already. Do we really care so much that we want to watch a practice scrimmage between two teams in October? 
We're in the middle of football season. Spencer, the answer is yes. We're in the NBA getting going. I, no, I don't care. I really don't. Look, it's I, okay. Look, let, it, let them have let them have their own secret scrimmage. Look, we, look, we're we live in a time where it's it's all access, right? We want to see more and more and more. If there was an opportunity to televise it, you better believe I'd be watching it. So yeah, I think it would be great. It's not going to happen, <laughs> but I think it'd be great. Look, and BYU TV maybe could go to Cal and do it. We've already done the one here. Let's go to Cal and do one. <laughs> more basketball, more BYU sports. I'll Give us all it. the access. I will take it. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. They're 5-1. Three Power Five wins coming off a loss to Boise State. And after the loss to Boise State on Saturday, Jerem, I saw on Twitter from several national analysts, notably Brett McMurphy, Chris Vanini, and Pete Thamel, that now they think BYU's New Year's Six chances are done. Like, it's over. BYU is now playing for the Independence Bowl, even if they finish 11-1. and With BYU at 5-1 and and still six games remaining, four Power Five opponents remaining on the schedule, what is BYU playing for? Now what? Well, I'd like to look at the first six games. So it's reasonable to think and assume that before the season, we thought BYU would lose at least one of the first six, right? Yep. Pick your game that BYU was going to lose. Which one do you want BYU to have lost? I don't want BYU to have lost any, but right. if, if I could pick one. But they one, were going like, to lose one. Maybe, at least one. You know, Probably against a Power 5 opponent, right? So Arizona State, you would take away the best win this season. No, right? I wouldn't. You know what I mean? But Utah, obviously, you want the streak to end. Yep. You don't want to lose to Arizona. They stink. BYU was going to lose one of these games. You don't want it to be Utah State or South Florida. I would argue that the most acceptable loss of all, all of them is Boise Maybe State. Maybe this is the one. Okay? So rewind to August. I tell you, BYU's 5-1. And, and number 19 and in the, the country. And, and number 19. And beat Utah. And beat Arizona State and beat Arizona, and beat Utah State, are you happy? Yes. I would argue you are not happy. You are more than happy. You are ecstatic. You're thrilled. You are stoked. Right now we're feeling the annoyance and uh, sadness of the current loss. That's okay. That's normal. That's natural. And how they lost Things the game factors into that. Things are going really well, okay? BYU's going to the freaking Big 12 in oh, two years, too. And, and there's this, too. Life is amazing. It's okay. It's going to be all right. There's this, too. BYU's played three quarterbacks, and they're 5-1 and one oh, and by number the 19. Way. Oh, by the way. Yeah. Everything's fine, okay? Everything. Listen, I know it's disappointing to lose to Boise State. Yep. If you, th- <laughs> if you thought BYU was going to go 6-0, and you're crazy. You're crazy. I'm talking before the season, not like last week. We thought that was a reasonable ask. Now, I, this is the acceptance portion, right, of this, uh, you know, the stages of grief. It's okay. Now, if BYU loses to Baylor and then stumbles after that against Wazoo, oh, BYU's in a very different place, right, than they were when it was 5-0. and Why, this is a, cri- it's a critical time. This is a critical time. game. It's a critical time. And I would argue that, B- you know, BYU's, uh, you know, you talk about the likely mm. losses left. This Saturday is a likely They're loss. a three-point underdog, according yeah. to our friends in the desert. You always got to bring it. They really got to bring it. Um, so, yeah, five and one and ranked. I'm, bro, I'm happy. Listen, if BYU loses, they fall out of the top 25. That's no fun. But five and two is still ahead of schedule. <laughs> I would argue through seven, we would have taken four and three before the season. We would have. Five and two is really good. 
BYU as a top 20 team. Six and one's better. At five and one, maybe it takes the frustration of a Boise State loss to refocus, recenter, and go and play what we hope is their best game of the season on the road at Baylor. The complete we'll game see. that we have yet to see. Exactly. And and that also is another factor. BYU has not played a complete game yet, and they're five and one and still a top twenty team. Yeah. Is BYU are they good enough to bounce back? And go win what we think is the toughest game remaining on the schedule. I, I love the setup. I think BYU, I think BYU is. Jaron Hall certainly got to play better. He did not play very well on Saturday. He's not fully healthy. A, a, a tweet. Uh, Brian Turner. To fully blame the loss on turnovers without pointing to Hall's pitiful performance, bad passing, lack of his ever-touted superior running is disingenuous. One, he, he has a rib injury. Why would he run a ton? That's, that's a dumb idea. And then two, we're not fully blaming the loss on turnovers. There were other factors. I'm just saying the number one factor was turnovers. Absolutely, that was the most prominent factor in the game. Come we're on. Not, not, Come on. We're not saying there's nothing else. No, there okay. were some untimely, uh, awful penalties as well. If you had a rib injury, you could barely sleep, let alone run. Okay? Have you had a rib? I've had a bruised rib before. Dude. Doesn't feel good. One of the worst things ever. It's terrible. Okay, so everybody's got to get better. And Trevor Maddich pointed out, Hopefully, Jaron Hall has shaken off the cobwebs. James Empey doesn't have uncharacteristic mistakes, sure. and there aren't some other un- untimely penalties. Lopini's holding on to the ball. Okay, so maybe everybody gets better. Maybe this is the reality check, the hard reset that BYU needs to go and win the toughest game, we think, remaining on the schedule. 2018. Would, I mean, it would totally re- at, it would recenter everything. BYU w- loses to Cal at home 17-14. 17-14? Uh, no, that was UCLA 2016. They lose to Cal at home. It was disappointing. BYU then goes to Wisconsin and wins. At the time we argued that was the cost to get that sure. win because it reset BYU and the expectation from the other team was different. We said the same I thing wonder, about... Yes, like you're saying. I wonder if the sacrifice to beat Baylor was to lose to Boise State. We'll see. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Spencer, for the first time this season, BYU is looking to come back from a loss on the football field. We haven't experienced it yet, but how do they do it against another very good team, the 5-1 Baylor Bears on the road? Spencer, what has to happen, in your opinion, for BYU to get the win in Waco? Jason, you don't have to look far for the proverbial roadmap of how BYU does this. In fact, just rewind a few games against previous Power 5 opponents. We already noted that BYU was 2-0 as an underdog against Utah and Arizona State. Well, how did BYU get it done against the Utes, and how did they get it done against the Sun Devils? One, they won the turnover battle. I know. You've heard about it all week, especially coming off four turnovers against Boise State and BYU not creating one on their own side. Okay, that's first and foremost. The defensive side of the ball for BYU needs to cause some type of havoc for Baylor. The Bears have not thrown an interception all season. However, I heard some of their fans earlier today in an interaction I had back at the hotel call Baylor perhaps a quote-unquote paper tiger. Their stats look really good, but they're worried about BYU and the Cougars' ability in those five wins that BYU has put together to force turnovers. So first and foremost, create some havoc. The defense did it against Utah. They were plus two. They did it against Arizona State, certainly, in that 10-point home win. And that is the way that it starts for BYU. 
talked about it yesterday, specifically with Jerem. Quieting the crowd is an imminent of imminent importance for BYU, and you can do that by creating turnovers early. And then, if you notice, Jason, BYU didn't get hardly any pressure on Hank Bachmeyer yeah. and Boise State last week at that quarterback position. And that was coming off a game where Boise State surrendered six sacks to Nevada before they played at BYU. BYU's going to have to figure out how to get some pressure on the Baylor quarterback, and perhaps that leads to the first interception of the season for the Bears and a turnover that will ignite BYU. So that's where I think it starts for the Cougars. Yeah, and, and you use the term that I like, the, what, the roadmap. We, we've seen what the roadmap is for BYU victories. I mean, they're 5-1 and one for a reason. They, they're a top-20 team for a reason. It's because they've won a lot of games, and they're a really, really good team. So we know what it takes for this team to be successful, and it's not just against you know any team. We've seen them against ranked teams at the time. Now, while those teams you know may not necessarily be ranked right now, they were ranked at the time, and BYU was able to get the victories there. So as you talked about, obviously, forcing turnovers and not turning the ball over is a big deal. That's look. BYU had a game, a single game, where turnovers were an issue. They've had one out of six games where that was a problem. We're focusing so much on the one game and not focusing on the five games where it wasn't the problem. So what this team has not had an issue with turnovers until the one game. Now, you certainly need to make sure that it doesn't start to become a trend, but right now, that that is the the singular game where you look at it and say that was a problem. Besides that, it has not been an issue turning the ball over. I agree with you 100%. Unlike against Boise State, you've got to find a way to put pressure on, on uh, Gary. Don't call me Jerry Bohannon. And because you, he has to, you've got to make him uncomfortable. He's a guy that hasn't thrown an interception all season long. You need to put him in situations where he's going to try and force something, and then that helps creating a turnover. I also think on the offensive side, when you look at the Baylor defense, they have, even though they're five and one, they have given up rushing yards. Teams have been able to run against them, and I think that plays into exactly what what BYU wants in terms of having Tyler Algier and Lopini Kato and whoever else may get into the game. I think a heavy dose of Tyler. Algier going north and south will pay huge dividends for BYU and then Jaron Hall if Jaron Hall's fully healthy yes. we I want to see a full healthy Jaron Hall meaning I, I want the full repertoire because last if, if defenses don't have to defend his running ability they can they can focus in on sl on slowing down Tyler Algier so it I want to see Jaron Hall in his full Jaron Hallness, which is his ability to throw, his ability to keep defenses honest because he can move and run. That's what I want to see. That's the recipe. Yes, the mere idea that Jaron Hall might run is enough to make an entire defense have to adjust how they approach the game. Just the idea of it, Jason. BYU could run one RPO, run pass option play, and Jaron runs for six yards, say it happens early in the game, and now Baylor has to account mentally for that for the entire duration of the game. Just the idea of it alone forces them to think, okay, we saw what he did against Arizona State and against Utah and against Arizona and South Florida. They're going to have to account for that, and that will, by nature, open up other options for BYU. It's no secret when you look at the numbers from Pro Football Focus as it comes to Jaron Hall and what he's doing that BYU is more successful when Jaron Hall runs the ball, or at least BYU implements a couple of those run-pass options with Tyler Algier. Also of note, and we talked about this yesterday too, 
Mason Wake returns. Yeah. The BYU fullback is a very, very important piece of the offense and what BYU wants to do. He helps Tyler Algier spring to that second level. So Mason Wake returning, Harris Lachance, the offensive lineman, returning along with James Empey, who will be back now for two games. This is going to be a good thing for BYU if they can have their full complement of offensive linemen and their fullback back for Tyler Algier. You throw in the option of Jaron Hall running again, and then I, you know, naturally I think we start to see what BYU is capable of again in that rushing game against the Baylor defense. By the way, Spencer, are you close enough to that train where you could tell them to kind of to hold off on the whistle for a little bit? They're just like holding Listen, down the, that thing the, the whole train. way. Oh, is it the hype train? The I like that. The hype train has arrived. Okay. Yes, it's arrived in Waco, Jason. Okay, you know what? They've you got changed to warn it. everybody that BYU's coming to town, you've right? Cha you've changed my opinion. If it's the hype train, I'm all about the sound then. I'm fine with it. If it's the hype train. Yeah. No, no, it's it's the hype train, brother. All like right. Like it's arrived. Let everybody know. Let's do this. All right. Let's get to Look, and there it is. Even even louder. It's like they're watching <laughs> the show. They may be watching back. the show it's right back. now. It's back. Yes, it is yes, back. Yeah, come on through. All right. BYU Baylor, the Cougars, number 19 in the country, of course, coming off a tough loss to Boise State, but still a top 20 team with only one loss. That said, Jerem, does BYU need to beat Baylor this Saturday to keep a special season in play? Now, what is special? Uh, beating Utah snapping the streak, that's special. Uh, getting into the Big 12, that's certainly special. I think this will be a memorable uh, year regardless of how the football season plays out because of those two facts. Uh, but when it comes to this season as a whole, I think so. Let's break it down. So what is special? Super subjective, right? Um, there have been six zero or one loss seasons in BYU history. Okay. Okay. 84, you know. 2020, 96, 83, 80, and 79. Those are really special seasons, right? You only lose once or zero times. That's amazing. Okay. That's amazing, okay? Two... Uh, losses have happened five times, 09, 7, 6, 01, and 81. Okay? It's special probably to just lose twice. So um, just 11 seasons in the 12-plus game era, the okay. last 45 or whatever seasons uh, where you played 12-plus games. Like there have been seasons where BYU had two losses, 9 and 2 and 77. We don't really talk about that one. That featured two or fewer losses. What I'm afraid of is if BYU doesn't beat Baylor – Okay, there's probably another loss in there somewhere. Then it becomes a three-loss season, and now you're sort of – you can be very have a very good season and be three-loss. Like, 85 is one of the best teams in BYU history. 11-3. and three. But they lost three times. We don't really, we don't really talk about them um, in that way, right? Um, and, and, like, 2008, very good team, wedged between 06-7 and 09. 10 and 3 But because they started, what, 5 or 6-0 and 0, and then kind of stumbled to the finish and lost the bowl game, we don't really talk about them as a great team. Uh, or a special season. So I, I think this is a big game. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty intimidated by this matchup. I think Baylor's really good. I think BYU really needs to bring it. I think BYU – this, this feels like Arizona State-ish okay. where this is a team that could finish ranked. This is a team that could contend, right, in that conference for a top three or four spot like Arizona State in the Pac-12. This is a huge game. Uh, I really hope BYU wins it because, yes, if BYU gets to two losses and now two in a row and BYU would drop out of the top 25, like, what is special to you? I, I think, you know, one or two lost seasons are pretty hard to come by. So I would, I would argue if BYU can finish with two or fewer losses with seven power fives, that's a unique 
uh, record in the history of BYU, given how many Power Fives BYU played. If we are talking strictly final record, BYU probably needs to finish with two losses or fewer to call this a special season. I'm looking at 2006 when BYU started 1-2. and two, and It's like, oh, man, so close to beating Boston College, the heartbreaker at Arizona, and they lost on a field goal at the last second. It's like, oh, man, but they rattled off 10 wins in a row. They beat Utah, back to Harleen. They rolled Oregon in the Las Vegas Bowl. Because of what BYU did in the back 10, that became a special season. Well, and it's coming off three losing exactly. seasons. Exactly. Well, sorry, 6-6 right. and six and three losing seasons. So the, it was like – The context was – It was literally a documentary oh, it was, made. It was the breakout. You know, about BYU returning to glory and, you know, that yes, whole thing. Yes, that was the breakout season. La- that's the last season. In, in 2009, I thought, oh, it's a, it's a really good season. I don't know if I feel the same way about 2009 as I do about 2006 just because BYU had been good. For a few years in a row, right? You expected BYU. Well, you had senior Max Hall, and they had won. They beat Oklahoma in the beginning. Yeah. So they started hot. They got as high as number seven in the polls. And then game day came when BYU was lost to Florida State. 16 and TCUA. And then lost to TCU at home. Yeah. So they lost two big home games. Finished strong, beat Oregon State 11 and 2, number 12 in the country. And Oregon State. Like that was a strong. So maybe that's unfair to 2009, right? I th- yeah, and what a special versus very I don't whatever like it's there are only tw- eleven seasons where BYU had two or fewer losses. Yeah, so I bring up two thousand six and two thousand nine because I point to those seasons along with twenty twenty, albeit there's an asterisk next to twenty twenty right. because of the COVID scenario. But those those are all kind of in the similar category, like oh, special teams finished ranked in two thousand six. BYU is number sixteen to finish. Two thousand nine, they were number twelve. Last year, they were number eleven. BYU probably has to finish with as few as two losses to call this a special season because we want them to be ranked in the top 15, and for that to happen, they probably have to go 11-2. and two. And I don't necessarily believe that if BYU loses Saturday, it will run the table. I, I feel that uh, there, no, might, there, be a there might be another effect? loss in there. Is, there. is there an emotional I don't, snowball effect? I don't know that literally at Washington State that would be a loss. I just think there's another one in there. Okay. And once you get to three, now you're in a different classification. You're a Even different with group. seven power fives? I think so because BYU is about to enter the Big 12 and play eight or nine every year, and we won't worry about the fact that they played seven this season. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. In, in three seasons, we will cease to discuss how many Power, power Fives BYU played previously. Right now, it's still a thing. Now, what's interesting is before the season, if we had discussed, what if BYU goes 10-3 and three against that schedule and they beat Utah? It's special. It was special, right? But they, they uh, hurt themselves by starting too fast. Man. In, in the conversation. It's like last year's Boise State game. That's not a classic all-time game for BYU because they won by too much. If because BYU it was had 51 won, to 14 or whatever BYU, it was. 17, I think. 17, if BYU yeah. had won dramatically, yes. Okay. But there's a certain drama element isn't, isn't associated that with memory and emotion. Yes. The, like, is the 89 win against Utah an all-time win against Utah? It should be. We don't talk about it like that. They scored 70 be- points. But they blew them out by too many points, 70 to 31 or whatever. Yeah. So there's there's sort of a dramatic element there. Like, yeah. BYU needs um, – like, if, like, if BYU dramatically wins at Washington State and last second – Virginia – uh, misses a field goal this time, mm-hmm. and instead of the other team, the la- by the way, Virginia four and two. Virginia could be two and four. The last two weeks, literally, the other team missed a field goal at the last second for Virginia to win. They're just hanging by a thread. 
just hanging by a Hopefully, <laughs> angry BYU takes care of business in Provo. That's all Virginia. I want for my birthday. That's all I want for my birthday. It is so interesting. Again, back to the 2006 versus 2009 scenario because of the context. 09 starts so fast. BYU's been good for a few years. But because they have... Some disappointing losses, one against TCU later in oh, the season. Oh, devastating losses. Like, because, uh, because those, it was like a bunch of seniors and a really good team. Maybe this is the BCS Buster team. Right. And BYU never put it together, right? Um, which, which was a bummer. Utah did it twice. Utah State should have done it in 2012, but lost to BYU in Wisconsin. Yeah. In very tight games, right? And BYU had some really, really good teams, so 6-0-9. That four-year span is the winningest Four-year span in BYU history, by the way, by just pure number of wins. Lavelle Edwards never put together 43 wins. Incredible. You know what I mean? Incredible. Like, wild. It put Bronco Mendenhall on the national radar for sure. Yes, and then BYU kind of got Indy, had the one season with three power fives, and then kind of went to this eight or nine spot as BYU was navigating yeah. it. But, no, again, that, those were good seasons. Don't get me wrong. No one cares about a single-digit win season. And when the, when the season's over, those teams don't matter. BYU does not have to beat Baylor – this Saturday, to call it a special season. It just makes attaining a special season that much tougher. Yes, I just don't believe they'd run the table if they lose Saturday. They would have to then, in my opinion, run the table. Yeah. After that, with wins over Washington State, USC, and Virginia, and go 6-1 and one against the Power Five, finish 11-2 and two with the bowl game win. But maybe there's one exception, Jerem, if BYU goes 10-3 and three of how they can keep this a special season. And that is if BYU plays Coastal Carolina in a bowl game and ruins Coastal Carolina's <laughs> perfect season. I wish that it was the Sun Belt in that I'm, conference. I'm USA. telling you, like yeah. that, that's the one thing I'm like, mm, 10 and 3. Yeah, it stinks that BYU lost three games and didn't have as special a season as possible. That'd but be fun. If they beat Coastal and ruin Coastal's perfect season, then yes, then maybe there's a little special I, bow tie on at the end. I wish there was an opportunity to play Coastal. <laughs> Say, listen, don't sit- you think ESPN could like, Work their way in there and be like, ooh, maybe we should have a rematch in a bowl game. I would love it. I would love that. And, but they don't tell Coastal until Wednesday. I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. That'd and be they great. got to travel west 2,000 yeah, yeah. miles. We'll meet in you, San Francisco. We'll meet you in Frisco, Texas or something. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I wish so bad that, yeah, that could happen. But listen, Coastal, since he is one slippage away, from well, they'd probably still be ranked yep, ahead of Coastal. They'd be ranked higher than they need two losses, and then Coastal would be the G five maybe. But you know how we're just kind of laughing at Coastal right now, like ah, oh, their schedule sucks. That's how everyone looked at BYU last year, <laughs> like that same. So it's it's validating this year to be like no five sure. and one, still ranked nineteen, three power five yes, wins. Yes, BYU's below Coastal, but getting a head start matters. By the way, if BYU were to finish ten and three this year, and then next year the conversation is. Oh, BYU's preseason top 15 because they returned those quarterbacks. They still have Oregon and Arkansas. They've convinced Tyler Algier everybody. somehow to come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yo, do we want BYU <laughs> to go 9-4 and four just so Tyler Algier comes back? I would rather hey, we want be you successful and him leave. Special but. season. And maybe Tyler and Algier leads BYU this year to a special, special season. Special so subjective. Like, again, you can call it special regardless of what Already, happens. because yes, of the Utah yes. wins, the Big 12 invite, yes. starting 5-1. and one. I'm telling you, though, I am very concerned about Saturday. Like, I, 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 BYU should be on high alert about how good Baylor is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know they how they're not. They haven't thrown an interception. I don't know how BYU isn't mentally all in on just 
okay, refocus, recalibrate yes. because of what happened against are. Boise State. I bet they are. I I'm, think BYU would be better yeah. against Baylor because of what happened against Boise State. And if that was the cost, it was worth it. Man. That was, because Baylor would be a better win than Boise State would have been. And if BYU beats Baylor on Saturday, not only is it a special season still in play, I think BYU's New Year's Six chances are still in play. Yeah, one last BYU should be in the conversation. No doubt. No argument. If you don't think that, you're, you're an idiot. Our question of the day. Come on. Does BYU need to beat Baylor to keep a special season in play? You've heard what we think. We want to hear your opinions. Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. You're not an idiot. You just don't understand how it works. Okay? <laughs> I don't want to I don't need to call names here. But if BYU is a one-loss team, they're in it. They absolutely are. Absolutely. We're going to talk to Brett McMurphy about that. This week, tomorrow, yeah, he'll join the program. He is of the opinion that one loss BYU, regardless of what happens from here on out, is not a New Year's Six contender. We'll ask him why. <laughs> BYU sitting there eleven and one, and seven just, and zero against Power and Five, just defeated USC. Come on, they're absolutely yes. We're not saying they're in. We're just saying they're in the conversation. Okay, okay. At Twiggy or Stone on Twitter adds this. I think so beating Baylor to keep a special season in play. Nothing would take the bad taste away from the poor showing against Boise State like a win over a future conference opponent. Yep. If Boise State is the only loss, that would be a great season. I oh, think two losses oh, would be a one special loss? season. One loss? Oh, yeah, all time? You, you could argue this is the, the best performance in a season by BYU ever, given the schedule. And what we're not talking about, and we should, which is a great point, this is a showcase game for Big 12 people. All the Big 12 homies are watching this going, just how good is BYU? Yeah, I know they're ranked. Out they're on coming the road in. at 5 and 1 Baylor. Because if BYU shows up and just gets blown out, that's going to be some bad rhetoric for, you know, it's going to sit there for a year or two. But if BYU goes in and wins and or competes well, yes. Oh, yep. They hang. They're a homie. They're awesome. They already think this, but honestly, there's more in this one game than you think. Like, there's a lot riding on this. Hashtag BYUS on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. There shouldn't be, but there is. There is. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. And joining us... Via Zoom is Jamie Shepard of BYU Women's Soccer. Uh, I called her the midfielder extraordinaire. Jamie, I'm going to leave this up to you because there's one thing that doesn't seem to fit here. So we've got Jason Shepard, we've got Jamie Shepard, and then Spencer Linton. I mean, one of these doesn't fit. Should we even allow Spencer to be part of this interview? No, come on. Shepard's only. It's a Shepard only uh, interview here, Spencer. I'm sorry. That's it. I'm out of here. Yeah, you, whatever. You know, do the interview by yourselves. I'm, I'm out of here. You take your shorts okay, and your 70-degree really weather, and you get off this stage. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. I'll, I'll play along. It's okay. So, Jamie, let's start here. Um, you guys obviously having a really fun season. You're now 3-0 in conference play. You're scoring like 18 goals a game at home. Obviously not 18, but it, it sort of feels like that, and I'm sure it feels that way to the opponents. How would you describe this year so far? Um, this year has been super fun already. You know, we had a pretty tough preseason and we're able to travel and play some good games. And now that we're in 
conference play, you know, we're 3-0. and We're on a roll and feeling good. And so just exciting things ahead. So we're excited. How would you explain the reasoning behind BYU's ability to score so many goals? What has been the secret to this incredible offensive explosion, particularly at home? Hold on. That question just cut out. Can you say that again? Yeah, sure. I mean, we're all fascinated by how many goals BYU women's soccer is scoring as a team. What's the secret to scoring so many goals in these games this season? You know, that's something that our coaches emphasize big and, you know, really about scoring early. And when our team scores early, goals just start to flow. And, I mean, we're pretty hard to stop up top. We've got a really good press and we like I said we once we score early you know we're hard to stop and the goals just keep coming so Jamie I think the other thing that stands out to me not just the sheer number of goals that's being scored right now but the fact that it's 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 not coming obviously Cam had the one game where she scored the four and tied the BYU record for most in a game but it is being you know, dispersed around so many different players nobody can relax on the opposition because a goal could come from anywhere Absolutely. You know, we got a lot of talent on this team this year and great depth. Our bench is great. Um, I think that's one thing that makes our team so dangerous is being able to score um, multiple girls. Um, we can count on them to score. You know, we're not just relying on one girl every game. And um, I think that's definitely what's making us very dangerous this year. Jamie Shepard, BYU women's soccer midfielder extraordinaire, as Jason Calder is with us on BYU Sports Nation. You play in a very, very interesting position. It's called the number six position in soccer. How would you explain what your role is on this BYU team? Because I don't think you get enough credit for what you do. So what is your role specifically for those that might not understand where you fit in the field? You guys are nice. Um, I mean, the six position is just more I mean, easy to understand as a holding mid. So I play in the midfield, kind of behind that attacking mid. Um, in the midfield, just connecting the defense to the offense. Um, so nothing crazy. Nothing crazy, just a simple um, keeping the ball and helping get the floor. So. Jamie, you touched on the, the non-conference, and it was up and down. It's certainly not what you guys had hoped that it would be. Now, it certainly feels like it has prepared you for conference play. What do you think has been the difference in the last three games of conference where you've come out and just dominated, including a massive win to begin WCC play at Gonzaga? Yeah, for sure. We, like we mentioned, we had a pretty tough um, preseason, and some games didn't go the way we obviously wanted. and. You know, we had a little break between our preseason and our conference starting. In those two weeks, we were able to just kind of regroup and get together and really tone in on some things. And it's been showing in our last three games, and we've been really able to come together. And um, and I think we're at our top right now, performing well and playing as a team. So exciting things are going to happen. Jamie, in comes a Pacific team that has nine wins, two losses and two ties. What do you know about the Tigers and what type of challenges they will present to BYU? Um, we've talked a lot about Pacific this week. You know, it's one of their better years. And so we're just excited for the challenge. And, you know, 
last year we played them at home. Um, I think we got down one or two goals and we were able to fight back. So it's, it should be a tough match. We're excited for the competition and to be at home on Southfield in front of our fans. Jamie, give everybody an idea of what this team is like uh, away from the pitch. Because, you know, I, I get an opportunity to see you guys at practice and the camaraderie and, and things like that. And you guys are a really close team. What's, what is this group like when you guys are together? Crazy. Fun energy, man. We, um, <laughs> team chemistry is great on an awful day. Um, we all get along very well and just high energy. Lots of energy, lots of dancing, singing. Um, you know, we, we have a fun time together, so that's for sure. Jamie, thank you so much for I need taking to finish with this, Jamie. Oh, go, ahead, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I just want to I just want to make sure that within her name, image, and likeness still, she got her Air Jordans. Did you get your Air Jordans yet? Oh yeah, baby. Rocking the Air Jordans. <laughs> okay, very good. Oh so awesome. We're lucky. That's awesome. Jamie, thank you so much for uh, for taking a few minutes. Good luck against Pacific tomorrow night. Uh, the game is at 9 Eastern on the BYU TV app as well as on BYU Radio. Thanks, Jamie. Awesome. Thank you. There we go. Jamie Shepard, BYU Women's Soccer. You rock. The, you have some Air Jordans. I do not have Air Jordans. I need to uh, I need to get with the program. I got to go find me some. Shep, you're an MJ guy. You, you're a guy that feels strongly he's the GOAT along with oh, yeah. me. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, he's the GOAT. There's no Jordans. question about it. He's the GOAT. I got, I got to go get some. The, uh, I had some back in the day, like in 91. Yes. It was the only year I ever had Air Jordans. I need to go back and, uh, and get some. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Well, the Nakua brothers have been a welcome addition to the receiving core. Both went to Pac-12 schools out of high school, Samson to Utah for four years, make it five, and Puka Nakua for a couple of years at Washington. But they find themselves now in Provo, a place closer to home. This is Deep Blue featuring Samson and Puka Nakua, presented by Brady Industries, Simply Better. So Puka's real name is actually Makea. Puka is a nickname. When he was little, um, probably when he hit about walking age, he just like was this little fat Buddha. Had no neck, had this bald head. Puka's one of the most athletic kids I've ever seen in football. So he's got tons of athleticism. And you look at his body, and he's a big body. He takes everything uh, serious and does it um, 100%. Puka's like, all right, we're going to work out right now. I'm like, are you sure, bro? We just worked out like 30 minutes ago. <laughs> and he's like, we're going again. And I was like, all right, sounds good, bro. I'm going to win this game because right here, he's about to gutter both of these right here. He's about to throw him right down the gutter and blow it. He's got two strikes in a row, but he's not like that. <laughs> This is exactly how Samson is. He's always going to fight for his family. He wasn't even close. And that's why I actually named Samson. Because when he was in my tummy, I just remember feeling like he, he just was this strong kid. That's always been his personality. He's just one of those guys that he steps on the field or walks into a meeting room or whatever. He brings a lot of energy to everything he does. He talks to everybody. As much as he seems like he doesn't talk, he talks to a lot of people. It's like he's like the perfect median, I guess. Consistency, baby. I'm out here every time, hitting pins, knocking him down. 
This kid just all over the place. It's ugly. It's not beautiful. I play a beautiful game. It's art, what I do. I think he can get annoying sometimes because I spend so much time with him, obviously. Go ride the highs too high, go ride the lows too low. But when you know one brother, I think you know the rest in the Nakua family. And these are guys who are full of life, who are competitive, who are passionate about everything that's in front of them. And I'm just thrilled at the chance I have to get to work with two of the five boys in that family. And I know they're going to make BYU better. And our job is to make them better uh, because they're here. We weren't the wealthiest. We had a lot of kids. And, you know, club sports are really expensive because they're traveling 24-7. But we've made it work. My dad made it work. He had us hustle with him, so he would have us set up the concession stands um, with selling the candy and the drinks during the tournaments. And then at the end of the day, our dad would have us go scrape the gums and then mop the floors down of the, all the basketball courts in the gym. He helped us to learn like ways to like you know give back. There's a lot of good times of working with my dad and stuff. <laughs> he always loved being at the games. He loved being able to just teach his kids, you know, the sport instilling in them that fire and passion to play to win and to give it your best. May 14th, 2012. So it's where Pops is at. Yeah. It's game day a little bit. But, you know, I just came to visit family. Get the mind right. Take a little off football. Actually, when this started, it, there was, it was a baby tree. It wasn't even there, no shade here, honestly. And now it's all grown up. <laughs> <laughs> Lionel had diabetes. He was a type 2 diabetic. As time had progressed, his diabetes just worsened. I remember him calling uh, for my older brothers to ask him to sit up um, out of bed. They couldn't really even get him up either. My dad just said he couldn't get up. and uh... He was having diabetic symptoms that I wasn't aware of. And so in that time frame that they were rushed to the hospital, his heart was racing so fast. The medications they were trying to give him to slow down his heart rate wasn't working. So they felt like inducing a coma to help. And unfortunately, um, he didn't make it. And then stuff happened so quick and we ended up in Utah. And uh, my mom brought us all here, and uh, probably the best move for us to get out of Vegas, you know, start over. We still did things together as a family, but there was obviously that missing part that wasn't there with us. But there was a plan that he had put together of us just being able to use sports as a platform for us to achieve the, the wants and goals in our life. And that would be a way for us to help, help our family and live his legacy, I guess, in a way. It's just been a long time. I wish I could come here more, but it's always been a struggle for me to come here. I guess that's always been the plan. We just stick together with our families. It was only fitting that game once here in Las Vegas, back where he is and where it all kind of started. Being a loving, eternal husband and a best friend, he was just good to everyone, wanting to help everyone out, trying to figure 
figure out every every way possible to help them out and help our family out. Helps me when I'm when I know I'm not where I need to be or when I'm not hitting the goals that I want to hit is remember why I'm doing it and the reason I'm doing it is the example that was set before me is to work hard and to take care of those around me and that's what I'm trying to do. We can all take take it for granted sometimes and the Nakua boys definitely don't. Seeing the way that they represent themselves uh, on the field and off the field has been really impressive for me and it's an honor for me to be their coach. They are very lucky to have their mom that they have. To lose their dad um, in the phase of life that they did, for their mom to raise five boys, those with those types of strong personalities, um, they've kept her young. She's an angel, she's a, a warrior, and um, they're super lucky to have Panina as their mom. Quarantine was, it was really a super nice. Samson came home, everybody was home. It was a hard time but also a good time. A lot of people were, you know, lost some loved ones. Um, some people got sick, but um, for me and my family, I think it, it was the best thing for us. We got to grow a lot closer. We actually got to spend time away from football. It was nice to be home with everybody. It just felt like we hadn't been home as a family together in a long time. As much as I thought I wanted to get out to Seattle, and I love Seattle, and I learned a lot and grown a lot, and I got to see stuff that I feel like I wanted to see and I wouldn't see out here in Utah, but then I was like, I miss you. I miss being around my family. It's what I, it's, I guess, all my family's out here, my mom's cousins and stuff like that. So, Puka, you know, brought it to my attention. The timing of everything is just perfect, honestly. It doesn't seem like God will put anything in our way for like right now. Like he said, this is just God's timing. It's all perfect. Everything's aligned. Yeah, I don't know. It was hard. I guess everything, there's nothing bad in this, from my situation at the University of Washington, but family. My family has made it easier, I guess, for sure. Being able to come home to familiar faces and, and keep me on track. It was so hard to leave me, pal. I mean, they five years up there, they were always good to me. Um, they let me be who I was for my five years, and uh, I was breaking down crying, and I was like, dude, I don't know what to do. I, I know it's the right thing to do to leave, go home, but it just wasn't easy leaving the my boys like that. And so I just followed Puka's past, just kept praying about it, find peace for an answer and stuff, and find peace within myself uh, to see if this was uh, the right move. And uh, came to the decision, and uh, we ended up here, and uh, it feels great. It feels, uh, feels like home, honestly. <laughs> what would you think of these two coming together oh. and playing here now? <laughs> he would be so proud of them. And I'm, I'm positive that he played a, a little part in maybe them coming here. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Karen, you recently had a chance to uh, speak with one of the happiest guys you will ever meet that has played at BYU football. Yeah, he's great. Puka Nakua, you know, invited me into the film room. I don't take him in. He takes me in. That's their yeah. turf, right? I'm yep. an outsider. But uh, super fun. What happened against Boise State? Why is he always smiling? This and more answered in this week's film room. 
All right, Puka, obviously first loss of the season. How have uh, you and the guys taken it? It's definitely an interesting one. One, you never want to, you never want to lose any game, but we got a good group of guys and everybody's going to rally the troops and we'll get ready to go again on Saturday. Okay, let's highlight some of the good plays from this one. You had four catches for 75 yards, the first of which is on the second drive, 37 yards, a one-hander here. Here I was like, all right, I got to fight for outside. I just kept going, kept going. And by the time I put my head up, I seen Jaron look back my way and I was like, all right, here we go. It's game time right here. We were hand fighting the whole way down the field, but as soon as I put my left arm out, it kind of stuck right too. It just fell right in. The ones downfield are for sure the best. You see the little head slap after. So it gets me going, make sure I get the juice still on me. <laughs> so the catch wasn't enough. You had to slap your own head. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, definitely. It always gets me going, makes, makes me sure I'm awake. <laughs> hey, you, you're awake, you get the fans awake. Let's look at Samson's touchdown. This is a, this is a you got mossed moment, right? Yeah, no, definitely. I'm thinking like I have potential to be in this play. I, I knew the corner was gonna have off. And we go and I look back and then I look at Jaron throw the ball up into the back of the end zone. Like, I'm like, oh shoot. And I just turn around and there's Samson right there. And as soon as he came out, I was instant, I just started screaming. Like, he has a celebration and then I, I, I punched him right here too. Make sure he was feeling good. Make sure he's awake too. Cause that, oh man, that was fun to see. It's a movie when you're out there with your brother and he makes those plays. That's awesome, man. Okay, third quarter, you have a jet sweep for 16 yards. This is something BYU's been doing with you, but this was the best one yet? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I love it. We, we run it around, we do some uh, to set up our deep action uh, shots, but uh, this one was fun. You know, <laughs> knowing that I got three guys right here, I got Isaac, uh, Dallin, and Tyler right here, so I'm, I'm pretty confident as I'm running the motion. Everybody picked up their blocks. I saw the opening and to be able to get a first down and kind of get us out of our, our own territory was nice. Okay, and then the last play, 17 yards, on the next snap. Yeah, a little, little, little bit gas here, but we hit him with, we hit him with some tempo right here. I think I have another go route, but this is not the same coverage that they gave us in the boundary last time. So he's bailing out and making it easy access. And I look back, and uh, Jaron, we made eye contact, and he threw me right back there. Put it, put it on a rope, make it easy, and then hit another first down to start this drive off and continue to go forward. But you've always got a smile on your face. Where does that come from? I definitely say my mom, and my dad. My <laughs> my mom always has a has a picture of me and my dad when we were little, and she says we're the the Buddha, <laughs> we look like Buddha. <laughs> he has a big smile on my face. I'm a young, I was a young fat baby. That's actually where the Puka, the nickname comes from in Samoan, it means chubby. So it was a, it was a family nickname that's kind of there stuck throughout. And it's always better when you have a smile, even through the hard days and the rainy days, if you smile, it, something will turn your way, that's for sure. I love that good attitude. Okay, and a big game coming up Saturday. You're back at it in Waco against Baylor, future Big 12 uh, brother there, but yeah. huge game. <laughs> It'll be a fun one. I'm excited. I mean, every game is just like the one you want to go out there and get and I know the guys are going to be ready after a loss uh, it'll be there they got a good team too so it'll be fun we should, we should get some hot weather out there right it should be warm right <laughs> so that, yeah that'll be, make it fun we get another day game so it'll always be fun but I can't wait to go out there in Texas and uh, it'll be nice to get a pre-taste of what it's like that's right that's right okay chubby thanks for the time <laughs> Puka Nakua Simone for chubby you know someone tweeted me they're like I'm surprised he didn't punch you after that. He's a nice guy. No, he's a tremendous addition, and you're going to see Deep Blue coming up uh, later this week on the show. If you haven't already, you can see it on social media. It aired on the Satake Show, but 15 catches, 276 yards, team leading 18.4 yards gets. He's getting down the field. He's he averaging the ball. He's averaging nine yards per rush, by the way, on four carries. Obviously, the human element of, of what they mean to be back here. Uh, be back meaning living in Orem the last couple of years after moving from Las Vegas, but just awesome emotional additions and then obviously physically on the field. I don't think people understand until you're up close to him just how big and physical and athletic he is as a receiver. Yes. 
Kalani Stocky said Puka is one of the most athletic receivers BYU's ever had. It is such a boost yeah. to that BYU wide receiver core to have the Nakua brothers. And the and energy I, they bring. And I love that his yeah. mom said at the start of the Deep Blue feature, when he was a, a baby, almost one year, uh, one year old, he, he just looked like a bald, big, fat Buddha. He, he talked about it there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, I love that she brought that up uh, in Deep Blue as well. It was really funny. And he was chubby, so it was an appropriate nickname. You know who else was? Jimmer Fredette. That dude is- Yeah. Chubby till he's 12, and then uh, whatever. It's all good. There's a place for everybody, whether you're chubby or not. Who cares? The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Mid-season superlatives. BYU football six games in, five and one. Still a top 20 team in spite of the loss to Boise State on Saturday. So at the halfway point, Jerem, let's get to it with our mid-season superlatives. Beginning with this, what's the biggest surprise through six games for BYU football? The BYU is five and one. Uh, I would have hoped uh, and dreamed for a four and two start, right? But five and one. Uh, the BYU beat Utah. The BYU beat Arizona State. Right? Um, those were some awesome wins. Go up to Logan, take care of business. Five and one, man. Yeah, that's the biggest surprise. The fact that BYU is five and one and have used three different quarterbacks already makes that five and one start even more surprising. Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney, and Jacob Conover have all played and taken significant snaps this season. At least a half. It's incredible. Yeah. Three quarterbacks, BYU's 5-1. and one. Had you told me, okay, Spencer, I don't know much about the BYU football season, but I know this much. It's been revealed to me through the Oracle mm. that BYU will use three quarterbacks in the first six games. I would have told you BYU they'll be lucky, four, they'll be lucky to be 3-3. Three and three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if they're using yeah. three quarterbacks, if Five they're and, suffering those type of injuries. Now, now another surprise is this, that BYU has won the turnover margin in five of six games. That is the key to what has happened. Obviously, there are other mitigating circumstances. But to me, the number one reason for why BYU is 5-1 is turnover margin. BYU has done an excellent job of taking care of the ball. In fact, so excellent that on one play where BYU turned it over, they actually got it back because yeah. Tyler Ogden yes. punched it out. Okay? And the, um, that BYU has been able to create some takeaways. So that's been awesome. Obviously, the one game where BYU doesn't, BYU loses. And they did it in a massive way. They were minus four. You could argue minus six with the turnover on downs, right? So, yeah, that's been a big surprise. And something that is something you got to look for in the Baylor game is how does BYU do in turnover margin? Baylor has not thrown an interception this year, one of two teams to do that. So hopefully BYU can create some turnovers. Yep, calling Malik Moore. He leads BYU as a safety with those two interceptions. Also this, BYU's 5-1, and one, and the one loss is not to Arizona State. It's not to Utah. And it wasn't to Utah. But to yeah. Boise State. And I love this tweet coming in from at Green underscore DN who says, biggest surprise for me, being 5-1 and one, and a little disappointed. <laughs> right? Well, the expectations changed, right? Once you're 5-0 and own, ranked 10th. I hope BYU sniffs that again. That'd be great. Um, if BYU finishes you know, 10-2 and two in the regular season, they'll be, they'll be knocking on the door inside the top 15 somewhere. All right, Jerem, more superlatives. I know how you love them. Best win through six games of the 2021 BYU football season. Utah. Uh, ending the streak, clearly. Um, Utah. But the best team that BYU beat was Arizona State. We're, we're going to value uh, that Arizona State win, I think, even more as the season goes on, as Arizona State has success. I hope the Sun Devils win, right? Um, 
I don't feel the same way for Utah. That's different, right? There's an emotional aspect there. But ending the streak was just so gratifying. I mean, and getting into the Big 12, and that was the same weekend. I mean, September 10th and 11th, just unbelievable moments for BYU. Yeah, best wins Utah, no doubt. Interesting matchup between Utah and Arizona State this weekend when BYU takes on Baylor. Who are you rooting for? Arizona State, clearly. I think BYU fans want Arizona State to continue to win and be ranked, right? Yeah, for the second place in the Pac-12 South standing. (laughs) The best win is clearly Utah. To get, as I called it earlier this week, King Kong off the back of BYU football, you had to beat Utah and BYU did that. But uh, it looks like right now Arizona State is by far the most talented team that BYU has beaten. So however you want to decide or define best win – Emotionally, certainly. It's it's Utah Utah. and then the field. Okay. Yeah. Number three, the best player at the midway point of the season. Now, not everyone understands me on my take here, but just hear me out. Ryan Rico is the best player on the team. He still is. I'm not understanding this, so please. Third, third, because he's a punter. That's It's like, well, what? Listen, I'm telling you, the best player at his position is the best player on the team. That's Ryan Rico. He's incredible. Number three in punt average right now. Not punting a ton. Only punted once on Saturday. But when he he has the longest punt in BYU history this year, 83, 13 inside, uh, you know, seven inside the 20, 13, 50 plus. He's the best player on the team. Like, he's incredible. A close second is Tyler Edge. Okay. Yeah. So you you have categorized that best player at their position, right? Because that's a little bit of a different window. Best player, period. Just best player. Period. All of it. All of it. Ryan Rico is the best player on the team. Wow. He's incredible. Okay. See, I have to go with Tyler Algier because... Which would be the popular pick. I get it. Yeah. It, it is the popular pick, yeah. but he's. I think he's earned it. Right? I mean, take for example our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Now, he's not third nationally in his specific position, That's but right. Tyler Algier is 11th nationally <laughs> That's awesome. in rush touchdowns. With eight and total rush yards, 672. That's awesome. Top 11 running back, which I feel like, I don't know, in a roundabout way, because it's a skill position. Admit it. Because he's a punter, it's different. Yeah, it is is different. It is. I get that. I just don't care. Because because Tyler Algier plays a skill position, and he's the best skill position player for BYU statistically, and however you want to look at it, he's going to get the attention, right? Yeah. But I think he's at a 218. Also, also yeah. he has the best play of the season. He saved the game quite literally with that play against Arizona State, and that kind of pushed him over the top for me. Yeah. Thinking, oh, BYU didn't have Tyler Algier, and then he doesn't make that play. They lose to Arizona it's State. It's easier to quantify a skill position player, certainly. Like, they, it's hard for me to quantify, hey, you know those times Ryan Rico pinned XYZ ABC teams back and they didn't score on that drive because it was an 83-yard field and not a 58-yard field? <laughs> That's just not going to pop. I get it. Um, but, yeah, two awesome uh, – yeah, and, and probably according to Shep, Tyler Ochier finally broke out. <laughs> he broke out last year. Some yeah. more Cam Mellor's Shep's, like, hey, Shep's texting me. include, include Peyton Wilgar. Yeah, Peyton's not been as, I guess, flashy as we were hoping for in terms of havoc, but he's extremely solid as a tackler, and he's a leader on the defense, and the defense has been pretty good. So, yeah, no, all good. I want, I want like, ten guys in this conversation. Sure. Yeah. Can we agree that the MVP, MVP is Tyler, is Tyler Algier? Yeah. Okay. Value? So, yeah. Okay, so most valuable Value, player, we agree. different than best. Tyler Algier. Tyler has been a surprise to me in terms of what he's been able to do against the Power 5 teams because prior to this season, he had not really had that game 
against a Power 5 team that was quality, where you go, oh, he's legit. He's like NFL guy. He has taken it up a notch this year. Um, he was amazing last year. We saw flashes of brilliance in 2019. Then he got a scully. Last year he was incredible, 1,100 yards, right? One of the top running backs coming back. He has been above and beyond what uh, I thought he would do this year. He's pacing for 1,000 yards and no problem. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.